You're listening to the Astro Backyard Podcast. Capture the night sky. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Astro Backyard Podcast. My name is Trevor Jones from astrobackyard.com, and and I'm I'm here with my good buddy, and I'm going to cut him off, Ah. Steve Malia from Ontario Telescope and Accessories. And today we're going to talk some planetary astrophotography. Thanks, Trevor. I appreciate the introduction. Um, yeah, we're going to talk planetary astrophotography. Bit of a, a departure from what we've been talking about in past uh, nineteen episodes. We're on we're on episode twenty. Woohoo! That's awesome. I uh, mm-hmm. I knew we would get to this. I'd like to thank all the people that made. Oh, no, never mind. That's my <laughs> <laughs> that's an acceptance speech for something else. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about planetary imaging, and uh, you know, this year is a big year in planetary imaging. There's some cool things happening. Um, uh, if you do any lunar imaging, you know, you can use the same type of techniques for planetary imaging. Um, but you know, the big event this year, Trevor, we were talking about it earlier. Uh, Mars on July 27th, um, the Mars opposition, and it's supposed to be like the best time to capture Mars and be able to see Mars, like. Even if you're not going to record it uh, through a telescope, you don't even need a big, powerful telescope because it'll look amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, that's really exciting. Martin, that's probably my, my favorite planet to observe. And uh, yeah, if, if there's any summer to get into planetary astrophotography, this one, this would be the one. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I, I can't wait. Uh, I might even, you know, I'm really going to watch the weather on that one if I have to start moving around to find some clear sky, then I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then get some practice in between now and then, if we can get it. That's true too. You want to have all the, all the kinks ironed out before, uh, before that date. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, you can go online and you can, uh, look for, uh, um, planetary events for 2018, uh, on July 15th, the moon and Venus are going to be like basically next to each other, which is going to be pretty neat. Uh, to see as well. I'm sure there's going to be lots of images taken and and posted up on uh, uh, on the interwebs, uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter. Um, and if you're doing that, post them on the Astro Backyard podcast Facebook page as well. We love to see those images. And thanks to everybody who's been posting images so far. They are awesome. Absolutely love the work that's there. Um, but uh, yeah, Tr- Trevor, have you done much planetary stuff? I, I, I did early on in the beginning. That's where I started with, I had a small Dobsonian telescope and I just, I did eyepiece projection photography on the moon and then moved on to Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, yeah, very early on, that was what got me into the hobby, uh, before getting into the deep sky stuff. So it's been a long time. I haven't really revisited it since. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I did some planetary stuff, uh, a couple of years ago, um, I had a, uh, an RC6 scope, and I had a, a really small uh, webcam. It was actually not a webcam. It was a, a Celestron uh, Next Image 5-megapixel camera. Right. Um, it, you know, for what it was, it was great. You know, they're a couple hundred bucks. And uh, uh, plugged that in and pointed it to to Saturn and, you know, let it rip. And you get you record it as an AVI file, right? Like, you have to keep in mind that you're not taking individual frames. You're taking a, a movie, Right, yeah, and, and that yeah. movie is going to have the individual frames in it. You can still set up your your exposure time. So um, we're talking 
like really fast exposures. We're not talking like 30 seconds or 60 second exposures like we would with deep sky photography. We're talking continuous uh, exposures of uh, of that well that movie being taken. So mm-hmm. you're recording as an AVI file and you take that and you're processing it uh, from there. But uh, yeah, I, so I, I, t- I took that image and, um, you know, it was just a quick and dirty thing. I was right th- out there in the field. I was at Forks of the Credit, actually, and mm-hmm. uh, with some buddies. And uh, I processed it right there and bam, Saturn. Saturn, I, it was I, so cool. Yeah, that's and it's probably like it's a memorable moment doing stuff like that. Because if especially with if you're with some newcomers, too, you're like, I just took a picture of Saturn and they're like, no one can believe it almost. It's yeah, it's so exciting. And I think a lot of deep sky astrophotographers started that way, even if it was just their phone through a telescope of the moon or something. It seems to be a, a, a common entry point into the hobby. No, absolutely. And that was one of the first images, images, first things I looked at was Saturn and to see the rings like with mm. your own eyes. Like, I just think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so what you want to do is, you know, have a, uh, uh, telescope with a long focal length. It, that, that's always best with the, with planetary imaging is have a long focal length. The more aperture, the better as well. So you can get uh, right. more detail and, uh, your camera doesn't have to be anything uh, expensive. It can be a webcam style camera or a dedicated planetary camera. Most guide cameras are planetary cameras. Um, I would recommend starting off with color because then you don't have to worry about stacking your, your individual uh, color frames together um, and go from there and, and just have fun with it. So you take a, you know, a two, three minute, four minute, five minute movie and you have all those frames and you throw it into a stacking program, uh, which for planetary is different from deep sky. Uh, the, probably mm-hmm. the most common one is Registax and it's pretty easy. One to I use. use. Yeah, pretty simple to use. Uh, the workflow is easy. You just kind of follow step by step. And, you know, you get a final result. You play with the wavelets and uh, bring up the sharpness. It's almost like magic, eh, with the yeah. wavelets. It's like it, it turns from a blurry image to uh, a sharp one. Yeah, it, it, it is pretty cool. Um, there's a couple of other ones out there. One called PIP, uh, which is good to uh, stack everything together as well. And Astro Stackert, I think it's Astro Stackert 2. I haven't played with this. Uh, I've heard of it, and I know some people swear by it or mm-hmm. compared to anything else. So if if you want to check that out, uh, please do. These are all programs that are uh, free of charge. Um, you don't have to pay for them, which is, which is nice as well. So that, that's to process it, but you have to still capture the, the data too. So there's two programs out there uh, that I would recommend for Planetary. Uh, one, SharpCap. We all love sharp cap, and then the other one is fire capture. And fire capture, I I've been told it's kind of a de facto standard when it comes to planetary mm-hmm. imaging. I know Christopher Go, right, the legendary planetary imager himself, he uses fire capture, and it has support for just about all the major cameras out there. Uh, supports filter wheels if you're going to use a mono camera and have filters. Uh, supports uh, a focuser, you um, and this has a has a really cool feature in it. You know, you can auto guide with fire capture without a guide oh. without a guide scope. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's it. I, I, I was watching the uh, 
tutorial on it and basically it picks a point on the on the planet image that you're recording and um it will fire off st4 commands right right yeah i could see how how the concept would work yeah so it's pretty neat and uh yeah so you know there's some great cameras out there the altair astro cameras the zwo qhy cameras they all have their their advantages uh with the different uh, different sensors that are available if you if you're looking to buy a camera right now uh, to get into planetary try to go for a usb3 camera to get that high speed recording high speed streaming from the camera into your computer um but you have to make sure your your computer has usb3 right right all right and if you have usb2 it works fine like don't don't get hung up on usb3 usb2 is still really quick that's what i'm going to be uh stuck with with my old laptop is usb2 but I think an important thing to mention about why why to take a video with all those frames is because you're looking through um, the. It really depends on your scene conditions with yep. this high magnification. And sorry, Steve, if if you were getting to this next, but if the air is turbulent, you're when you have all those frames to sort through, you can pick just the best ones and stack those together. So you're only seeing it when the the conditions are best. Yeah. Well, doesn't Registax pick out the best ones? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So say yeah. say you you input two thousand frames, you can choose the best two hundred and fifty out of those two thousand. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, it, it will sort it out for you. But and that's kind of where the magic comes in because it's like, oh, well, you, you didn't you visually you can't just choose only the best to see it at the best time, right? But right. the software can do that, and yeah. it's just because of that super high magnification, right? Like you said, and uh, I, I suppose that's a big reason why I haven't been into planetary for a while is because I've been using those the small aperture wide field refractors, which is of course the opposite of what you want for, for planetary. Yeah. And, and, you know, you start getting into optics the probably the most popular scope for planetary is going to be an SCT or a Mac. Um, Absolutely. You know, uh, RC has also a long focal length. They'll do good. And then you take, you know, if you have an SCT, like a Celestron C8, um, uh, type scope, probably one of the more popular scopes out there uh, as a package. You can uh, have um, get get more magnification by putting on a Barlow or an extender. We talked about those uh, previously. So you, you get a uh, Barlow or extender. You put that in front of your camera, increase the magnification, increase the focal length of your of your telescope. Actually, you can even stack some extenders and Barlows. They'll allow you to do that. So you put oh. like a two time or a three time and then you put a two time on top of that. Right. You can really get it. But your, your seeing conditions have to be really, really good. Um, or else you, you will have difficulty. Uh, yeah. It, getting, it, getting a sharp image. It magnifies the, uh, the quality of your seeing for sure. Yep. And, uh, uh one of my favorite guys, Damien peach uses the Celestron, uh, 14 inch SCT. What a surprise. Yeah. It's just a planetary killer. Yes. Yeah, Christopher Go I think uses a C14 as well. Um yep. I remember watching one of his YouTube videos and actually that Trevor that's how I found you online because I watched his video and I wasn't paying attention. Um mm-hmm. and how you know how YouTube will start up the next video? Yeah. Right. And then you came up. <laughs> so it was like Christopher Go was your opening act. Oh god, I had to follow him, <laughs> eh? Um I wish that went the other way. Yeah. Uh 
So and I was watching <laughs> wa- watching his video and and uh, you know if we want to get into planetary imaging and get into the nitty gritty of it, Christopher Go has a really good video uh, where he's do- giving a presentation. He goes through his workflow uh, of capturing data and things to keep in mind. You know, a couple of highlights: uh, Jupiter spins really quick. So if you're going to be doing um, mono imaging, so you're going to have an RGB filter set. You need to um, derotate your image, and there's a piece of software out there called WinJupos, which is d- d- designed specifically for this to derotate that image to line everything back up, uh, or else it's going to be a big smear. Uh, Saturn, as another example, is actually a pretty dim object in comparison to Jupiter. So right. the exposure times that you would use for Saturn are going to be slightly longer than they would be for Jupiter because Jupiter is really bright. So like if you take an image of, of the moon, if, you're, if your exposure time is too long, it's just going to be a, a bright white ball where a uh, if you decrease your exposure time, right, it will start, you'll start seeing detail. Mm-hmm. And then Mars, you know, Mars is going to be beautiful this year. And that, like we said before, that's the one I'm, I'm really waiting for too. So, but yeah, you know, pl- planetary imaging is a good way to get into astrophotography if you haven't started. You know, it's nice about it too, Trevor. Mm-hmm. You don't need a hydrogen alpha filter to do it on a on a moon filled night. Oh man, I, and just light pollution in general is not a factor. No, because the image, the, the object is so bright. Yeah. So you can you can do planetary imaging from your backyard on a full moon um uh, even if the if there's a bit of haziness in the in the sky that's right you can yeah. still get something and, and get yeah. good results out of it so it, you know it's something to to keep in mind um on those those days that you can't do any deep sky stuff and there's a planet out there image with image a planet mm-hmm. give, give it a shot so this, yeah, this year should be pretty good. And uh, we were talking about this earlier. I guess I guess we we missed it. There's that planetary parade that happened. We just today. missed it. Just missed it. Yeah, this morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were looking it up. We're like, oh man, that, that was this morning. That was today. <laughs> so, you know, you know, but there, there's some really cool events with with planets. It was I think last year, you could see all eight planets potentially in a row. Yeah. Um, I remember trying to get seven and, uh, I just, I couldn't get the, what Mercury is always the tough one to get. Yeah. yeah. Mercury is always really low and really small, but, uh, yeah. And I mean, that's, we didn't even say, discuss that just even, um, like a nightscape planet photo. Those are fun too. Like, uh, say if this morning, if we happen to, uh, prepare for it, which we didn't, the, uh, it would have been an, a great photo of the um, the early morning moon with um, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. And the best way to obviously to get that would be just with a camera lens, a wide angle shot. Yep. And I mean, they're going to look like stars, but uh, it's still pretty cool to know that uh, you're you know photographing planets. They'll look like stars, but they'll be very distinctive because each have their own color. Yeah, really bright. And in the case of Mars, it's you know it's just it's so red. Saturn looks a little orange. Jupiter is pretty, like a bright yellow. Yeah, yeah. Jupiter, it has that. It's it's so bright, but not Venus bright. Yeah, yeah. And the Venus looks like a bright star. Yeah, Venus has got the twinkle to it. It's so bright. Yeah. So, 
but yeah, so you know, consider planetary imaging as a uh, as a go between between on on moon filled nights or or something new to explore if you want a new challenge. Um, I, I'm not saying it's easy because it can be tough to, to really get those nice crisp images. I haven't done this. Um, I know it's available though. Oh, there's a lot of of the date of data that's available from NASA as well that, mm-hmm. that you can download and, and reprocess. Um, and there's, there's people that do that. So if you want, you want to practice with some high quality data, something to keep in mind, and you can, and some people give their data up on, on the internet as well. You can just do a search and, and find something to practice with that and, and uh, try different techniques and processing and see what works best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know it's some it's fun and then and, and again the same techniques that you use with planetary you can use with lunar and get those really crisp lunar images right and and also obviously you're going to want an, an equatorial mount uh, that's well polar aligned and as a huge bonus if you have a motorized focus focuser to get those really steady images mm-hmm. uh without you know jiggling it around because of that magnification that planet will be hopping around like crazy if uh, if you're manually focusing. Oh yeah, you'll be uh, but that's not all night. Well, but that's not to say that it can't be done because, like like I said early on, I had a, it was a Dobsonian, and uh, I was still able to hold at the time it was a point and shoot camera to, and uh, take an AVI video that was say 30 seconds long, and then using Registax you can actually isolate those frames where it wasn't shaking around and still get a decent image out of there. So it's really approachable to uh, a lot all stages of astrophotography even if you don't have a tracking mount and a motorized focuser although they will help a lot yeah absolutely absolutely oh you know what i didn't mention about the cameras uh region of interest right right and uh i'm glad i remember this a good planetary camera will have a feature called region of interest and what this is is your planet your object is going to be a small section of the of the screen of the, that's taken up the chip, so you can actually draw a box around it, and the software will ignore everything outside of that box, and just record what's in that box. What you can do then is it, you can really increase your frames per second, and get um, a lot more data streaming in. I see because it's less. Uh, it's less it ha- that it has to record, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, because it's a, it's a smaller area. Very cool. Yeah, the hypercam, the version two of the hypercam, supports mm-hmm. region uh, region of interest. Uh, so mm-hmm. if anyone out there that has a hypercam, you know you've got a good planetary camera too. Well, and uh, guys that are used to deep sky that have uh, guide cameras, that's can ov- often be a, yep. a great choice. Like my my best planetary camera right now is probably my guide camera, the uh, GP Cam, one thirty. Yes. Yep. Other than the Hypercam, of course, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I can't wait well, to get my SCT fired up this summer. What size SCT do you have? I I have an eight inch. I have an older Mead, uh, Alex D seventy five, eight inch Schmidt Newtonian. No, well, I have the Schmidt Newtonian. I also have the Schmidt Cassegrain. Right, right. More, okay. more rare. And I saw one, I had to have it. You got to love looking at uh, telescopes on the used marketplace. Yeah, Get I, some real awesome old scopes. I paid too much for it. I know I did. Yeah, but you appreciate it. You'd love it. 
Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll have to get that fired up this uh, this spring and summer, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, like always, look us up on Facebook at the Astor Backyard Podcast Facebook page. Send us any questions over there. Post your images. Tell your friends. And, yes. and thank you for subscribing and listening. Post your uh, planetary images because I know there's there's guys that really uh, specialize in that. So I'm, I'm sure there's some great images out there. Uh, and I'd love to see them because I'm getting pumped up about this with this summer coming up. Good. Good. Yeah. Exciting. All yeah. Right. So, so thanks everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed another episode with us. Episode number 20. Wow. And uh, <laughs> of course, as always, clear skies. Clear skies. All the best. Take care, everybody.